and welcome to The Double Shot with your favourite cousins, James, and no Alex today. Alex is, uh, she's not quite had baby yet, but she is uh, on the doorstep of it. So we've brought back podcast regular, Mitch. Welcome, Mitch. <laughs> Thanks for having me, James. It's usually the time I'd uh, take the liberty to, you know, pay out on Alex for the amount of leave she she's taken, but I'm in no position over the last 60 days to be able to do that with the amount <laughs> I've taken. Yeah, so let's talk about that. You, you've just come back from... I'm guessing the 10th wedding you've been to this year. Yes. If it's not 10, it's it's close. Yes. You, you've, you've emceed at least half of them. Yep. Um, talk us through it. You, you've gone international, international for the most recent one. Queenstown wedding. Um, first time attending a wedding in Queenstown. I was in Wanaka actually, which is about an hour yep. from Queenstown. Beautiful Got to place. say, one of the most beautiful spots um, mm. I've ever seen, let alone attended a wedding at. So no formal duties, which was good. So I was able to uh, just enjoy the day, James. Nice, nice, and uh, good to good to have you today. Uh, after that extended leave, uh, <laughs> I have, I've got a shout out that I, I just want to cover off before we get started, and I, and I know we've got a bit to get through. But Bo and Kel, I forgot last week. I got stopped by them when I was walking little Davy uh, in the pram. I, I ran into them, found out that they're listeners of the pod, and then we recorded a couple of days later, and I forgot to give them the shout out. So. Uh, my apologies, but Bo and Kel, yeah, nice big shout out, fans of the pod. So would've, good would've to have you guys with listening. the uh, with the chest puffed out. Then <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. We had a great, great chat. They had their two kids in the back, uh, actually, and it was quite funny. Bo said, "Oh, this is Uncle James," and the kids in the back said, "Are you our uncle?" I was like, oh, I didn't know what to say. <laughs> I was like, well, anyway. Hey, uh, How good. Hey, I want to I wanna ask you a question before we get started. And and, yeah. and there's, it purposely wasn't on the run sheet because yeah. I, I wanted you, I wanted to get a really natural reaction. Sure. I'm talking to my uncle on the weekend mm. and he's ordered a pizza on Friday night mm-hmm. and it has come with the wrong ingredients but it's been like a, a pleasant surprise the oh, way wow. he articulated it. So he's ordered a pepperoni pizza. Yeah. And it's come with pineapple. Pepper- and he said, <sighs> he said, oh, I'm I enjoyed it so much. I'm gonna ask for the pepperoni and pineapple every single every wow. single time. Wow. So my, my first question is, has that ever happened to you where the order was wrong and you got a pleasant surprise? Mate, not 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 that I can recall off the top of my head, but I can say one thing. Pineapple on the following items make it incredible. Pizzas and burgers. So I'm all for the pineapple edition. And, and I, I've never had a pepperoni with pineapple, but I reckon that would um, that would go down well. So no. I'm, I'm all for it. Um, I think anyone who gets pineapple on their pizza is potential serial killer. Yeah, and I think any Italian listeners out there would be, um, would be falling off their chairs hearing that. JB, <laughs> what do you reckon? <laughs> He's got no mic today, oh, but give us a give thumbs it, give, up for pineapple. Give us a thumb up or thumb down. Oh, thumb down. no, I'm outnumbered. I'm outnumbered. He's outnumbered. Sweet enough, these boys. Oh. <laughs> now, James, CBA, obviously a brand known to many Australians. In fact, I yep. think that I would have discovered CBA in early primary school through their Dolomites program. I don't know if any of the listeners remember that, but they effectively just target marketed children. And, uh, <laughs> which was... That's really bad. Which was a, a good strategy in the end because I was with CBA for, for a long time. But I'm still with them and I started with a Dolomite account. I've yeah. still got the original Dolomite account. Yeah, well, ex- my point exactly. But whoever came up with that marketing strategy has obviously moved on because they're losing market share. And it seems ah. as though it's the owner-occupy segment that's been feeling it the most. They are, well, in fact, 
Commonwealth Bank, this this stat blew me away. For the last three months in a row, mm. their loan book, so the total number of loans that they've got out there in in the uh, in in Australia, shrunk. Mm. Now it was the first time in more than a decade that that had happened to them. Wow. And more than re- a decade. So Correct. 2000 and, well, like 13. Two, 2011. Two, 2000 and, uh, yeah. Th- 2011 I, I don't actually, I've got in. in fact, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm out slightly. It, it was the first time since 2004, so two decades. Wow. So a long, long time. And the reason is that basically they're, they're still writing loans, obviously, but a lot of people are choosing to refinance away yeah. and take their business elsewhere. And it's being picked up by some of the, I guess, whether you call them smaller banks, I, I don't know, but Macquarie and ANZ have led the charge, haven't they? Yeah, they certainly have. So I think Macquarie, for example, over September increased by 4.1 times the average across the system. So they basically increased their loan book by 4.1 times. Their rate, their Comparison rate off the off the website. Now, obviously, that's going to change depending on LVRs and, and that type of thing. But the advertised rate is at five point eight nine percent, and they don't offer a cashback. So interesting. Um, five point eight nine percent is pretty. It's good. pretty good. So mm. by comparison, ANZ, who you referenced as um, as another lender that's done well over September, they increased by two point eight times across the system in September, and their rate's six point one nine percent. Um, so slightly higher than Macquarie's, but they do offer a $2,000 cashback. So previously mm. four, so whether or not that's helped along the way despite the higher rate. And so how does that compare to Commonwealth Bank? You so got 5.9 and what was it, 6.2? Yep, yep. 6.2 call it. So CBA's comparison rates advertise at 6.62% Oof. and they don't offer a cashback. They did in earlier this year, $4,000, but mm. they scrapped that, which would have to have given, you know, they would have had to expect that would damage some of their market share, obviously. Mm, mm. Well, it's interesting. The uh, And that that's their their advertised product for new customers, Correct. right? So, so that is on top of something that the Reserve Bank have been making us aware of for the last probably 12, 18 months, and that is that new customers are actually getting, on average, a better deal than the existing customers at the at the banks by 0.66%. Wow. So on average, the uh, a new customer, if you join a bank like Commonwealth Bank, mm. you're going to get a rate that is 0.66% lower than the same rate that an existing customer is paying for the same loan product. That grinds my gears. Well, and that's you that's know, why like, we're seeing them lose market correct. share. Correct. They must think that. Well, I'd imagine it would be... Um, you know, more expensive to get new business, right? Like once you're a client, you know, mm. you, you would be able to retain those clients at a lower cost. So maybe there's some data out there that suggests people just aren't sort of ringing up, getting their rate checked and, and end up staying. But it certainly seems to, to that trend's changed over the last quarter. Well, we saw the Reserve Bank last week put rates up for, I think, the 13th time since April two, 2022. So mm. what is that, 13 yeah. times in call it 18 months. Yeah. So, you know, th- there is um, that that external risk that's always there, that rates will go up due to reasons beyond your control. But the one thing that you can do as an investor and a a homeowner is keep your bank accountable and honest because they are absolutely getting away with charging a lot of Australians more than what they should be charging them and certainly more than what they're charging their existing customers. And if I can indulge you with one story, I actually had a client call me on Wednesday evening, mm. um, and this was only 24 hours, 24, 48 hours after the Reserve Bank 
had actually increased the rates, called me stoked. They've got their own home and, and five properties, so, mm-hmm. you know, quite a, quite a bit of debt, obviously. Mm. Um, they called me stoked, said they just saved $15,000 by getting their bank to sharpen the pencil on their rates, saved about half a percent across their wow. whole portfolio wow. without refinancing, without doing anything other than telling their bank that they were going to potentially take their business elsewhere. That's a, that's a holiday at the end of the year. That's, um, that's massive. And if I can just add to that as well, um, one of the tools you can use in that context is getting your properties revalued. Because if you have mm. signed up with a high LVR above 80%, you're usually paying a higher rate at the time. However, if your property prices or value has grown and your LVR has reduced, then you could normally um, be entitled to a cheaper rate just, just off doing valuation. Yeah. And do you, do you use a broker? I do. Yeah, yeah. I do use a broker. So I think, you know, I'm the same. I use a broker. Always my first call. I don't know about you, but mm. I always kind of just because you might not be in a position of strength mm. to negotiate with your lender. Whereas, whereas you know, if your broker gives you feedback, which which a good broker is is well ahead of what's happening in the market. And if they say, look, I think I could take you to another bank and you get a better deal by, you know, half a percent or, or 0.3 of a percent or whatever, you then go in with a little bit more confidence in terms of how hard you can push yeah. on your bank, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah, I think if you're with CBA, it might be worth dropping ANZ and Macquarie's name when you call them. <laughs> Target on your head. And so before we move on, Mitch, I, I might just get your thoughts mm. on the Reserve Bank decision. Any, uh, were, were you surprised, I guess, uh, first and foremost? No, look, I think um, it seems to be more of a preventative measure. Um, and, and James, you and I have discussed that inflation had sort of come down and, and they've done a lot of good work, well, you know, good work as far as, um, you know, getting closer hard, to... Hard work. Well, h- hard work. <laughs> and, and, you know, I don't mean that to say it's been easy for Australians because no. it certainly hasn't, but they have, you know, it has been um, uh, helping ease inflation inflation. However, we've got two things coming up, mm. one of which is Black Friday sales. Yep. I think they're next Friday or this Friday even. Uh, I think it's last Friday. In November. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And then the Christmas period. So Australians spend 20% more in December. So I think when I say preventative, mm. they're trying to maybe peak that spending or, or help ease that spending coming into those two major events and, and hopefully not undoing, you know, the, the, the good work they've done with the flash. Hey, don't, don't get carried away over Christmas type of thing. Yes. Yep. Makes sense. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, and then obviously house prices though. Mm. Seem to be trucking along pretty well. I know that CoreLogic has, you know, released their their um, hedonic home value inject number in November. Um, yeah. What was your take on on those? Well, it's interesting, like, because the, the catch-22 with interest rates going up, right, is it's painful in terms of cash flow, but inevitably you, you only have uh, interest rates increasing when you're in a high inflation environment and a high inflation environment pushes up the value of assets. And that, that's what we're seeing. So it's a catch-22 if you're a property investor because whilst interest rates are going up and that hurts your cash flow, you, your asset values are going up as well. And we saw that again in October, the median house price up by 1% mm. again. Mm. And uh, that takes it to, I think, 9, 9% for the year, yep. which is um, which you know likely to hit 10% by the end of the year mm-hmm. and, and also at a time when rents are going up by, you know, between 6 and 11% depending on the capital city. 
Yeah, and I mean, vacancy rates across the country still look quite tight, which, you know, has an impact on on, on the rental increases. Mm. Perth, for example, is at 0.4% and so is Adelaide. That's a significantly undersupplied capital city market being, you know, at 0.4%. So it doesn't look like rents will do, you know, um, sort of change the way they're trajecting in those two two capital cities. Brisbane's mm. under a percent at 0.9. Mm. Melbourne and Sydney are sitting at 1.2% vacant um, and the country sits at about 1% across the capital city market. So still very tight rental market out there, which explains the 6 to 11% that you just referenced. Yeah. And I think we're, we're now starting to see the smaller capital cities take over, Brisbane, Adelaide and, and Perth. Sydney and Melbourne have, have had a massive run for the last five, 10 years. Mm. Um, but I think we're, we're now well and truly uh, have seen over the last quarter the Brisbane, Adelaide and Perth markets in particular leading all other comers. Um, and I don't know, what, what are you seeing on the ground? Are you, are you feeling that on the ground? Yeah. You know, when, when looking for property for, for people? Yeah, absolutely. Those capital city markets, in particular Brisbane, Adelaide and Perth, are absolutely undersupplied because there's been a lot of movement into those capital cities recently. And land prices is, is growing because when you have undersupplied markets with a lot of population growth, which those three states have, then you, you, you get into an environment where you see property prices increase. So, yeah, definitely mm. seeing that on the ground. All right, been a bit serious so far. We might lighten it up a little. Here we go. Um, have you got a stat fact for me? Oh, I don't, I don't have a stat fact for you. I was going to say, I've got to come in a bit surely he's, on the plane. He's just come from, from, <laughs> from a weekend wedding in Wanaka. He's got to have some sort of stat or thing that he's learned uh, over the weekend. No, no, nothing comes to mind. But I reckon if I know my man, he's got one prepared. No, no. Okay, okay. I'll give you. I'll give you this one. It's it's not as fun though as I, I potentially would have liked. But um, I do like seeing because I'm I'm keeping an eye on interest rates, obviously. But I, I do also believe that Australians are hoarding cash, mm. and and they are the beneficiaries when interest rates do go up. Is you pay more on your mortgage, but if you've got savings in a bank account you earn more money. So, you know, pensioners and, and retirees in Australia would be the few who are really cheering along these interest rate increases in a, in a, in a weird sort of way. Mm. Um, APRA, the uh, banking regulator, released their data last month. Uh, we've got a record amount of cash in the bank in Australia, $1.42 trillion in September, and we managed to save... $11 billion in the month of September and $100 billion since this time last year. Wow. So even with interest rates yeah. going up, Australians are still saving a lot of money. And do you think that that is because um, a lot of Australians aren't necessarily impacted by interest rate rises? I know that, you know, roughly a third of properties are unencumbered. Mm. Do you think it would be skewed towards that third as far as those household deposits data that you just referenced? Oh, certainly. Like, I think you, you're right. There, what is there, about 11 million homes in Australia, a third of them are owned with no debt, so they're, yep. they're unaffected really. Mm. Um, there's another third that are owned by investors and, and rented out and, mm. and rents have been going up. So yep. I think maybe even that sort of cohort of the market might not have been under as much pressure. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, and then obviously there is that that middle third that 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 own their home. Um, you know, again, the the average Australian home, uh, even if you do owe, owe a debt, the the average Australian home's worth about a million with six hundred thousand owing on it. Yeah. So you you might still you know you might still see some households that are doing okay. Some households mm. would would be under a lot of pressure. 
Mm. So I think what we're seeing in, in those numbers at least is that the uh, Reserve Bank's interest rates is a bit of a blunt instrument. It, yeah. It really does only have an impact on a very small uh, percentage of Australians. Um, not small, not, not real small, but I, but I guess we're talking less than half ultimately. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I still have friends that have fixed rates to 2025 that mm. are still on, you know, one or 2%. So I don't, I don't know the yeah. data on how many, you know, of those mortgages um, across that two thirds, being the investors as well as the um, owner occupiers of fixed rates. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see because we're certainly saving a lot. I think, it, yeah, I think you comfortably say that half of Australians or one in two haven't been that affected by the interest rates and they have been putting away cash. Yeah, I certainly have been. Not putting away cash, being affected by interest rates, (laughs) just to clarify. I was going to say, Mr. Moneybags over here. It's like having Nick Stevens back on the the podcast. (laughs) Queenstown's an expensive joint, James. So, James, inflation's been, you know, a little bit of a topic throughout this episode and I can tell you one thing's for sure. Our levels of government are certainly contributing to that and what I mean by that is there is massive amounts of money being spent across infrastructure projects in the country and that obviously has an impact on cost of materials, costs of labour and, you know, people would generally prioritise working for governments because they pay more, potentially more reliable, and it's probably hurting various sectors of the the industry, mm-hmm. uh, particularly residential home building, I must say. But, yeah, um, yeah I, I know that they're spending a bit. Um, what's your take on that? Well, they're spending more on infrastructure than they ever have. So mm. if you look at the states and the federal government, this year they will spend more on infrastructure than they ever have in the history of running our, our governments in our country. And, and I guess the timing of it, it has to be contributing to inflation, clear, yeah. clearly. Um, I don't know there's much they can do about it, though, well, because they're all halfway built. So, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, they're, they're, they're big projects, though. The only one that hasn't started yet is the most expensive one, which is the suburban rail loop in Victoria. Yes. Uh, the latest estimate of that is $35 billion, and, and I think wow. that was up by 50% since the previous uh, estimate. They're wanting to start that this year or early next year. So mm. um, that, that's pretty much the only one. The, the other one, the Inland Rail one uh, is a national project that's costing about $30 billion. Yep. They're big numbers. Massive numbers, yeah. What else we got there? There's two Sydney Metro uh, projects, uh, uh, 40, 50 million between them. Yes. Um, so there's the, the West one and, and then the City and Southwest one. Yep. Uh, you got the Northeast Link down in Victoria and the Metro Rail down there. There's another 30, 40 billion. So they're... They're big numbers. They are. But, you know, I, I sort of in t- tongue-in-cheek were, were having a crack at them about inflation. But, I mean, it's probably necessary, right? Like we've got a lot of population growth, you know, for people, international mm. migration. So I think with population growth comes demand for this type of infrastructure. And mm. interesting to note that pretty much 80% of the top 10 um, projects across the Australia are in transport. So mm. either rail or road, um, mm. as you said, suburban rail loop, mm. inland rail, you've got the metro, um, western metro city in Sydney, Westgate Tunnel. So certainly seems that that is at the forefront of their focus. Well, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because if you're bringing in and, and they're bringing in half a million people this year, I think we, we talked about that uh, podcast or two ago, that we will bring in a record amount of people this year, 500,000 people. Um, you've got to obviously house them somewhere. 
and you, you, you tend to have to house them in the suburbs because that's where it's affordable, that's where it's a little bit quicker to be able to produce the supply, mm. but it's got to be accompanied by infrastructure for people to get around, you know, principally rail and road and, and good on them. They, they are building a lot of it at the moment. Yeah. Um, but you do wonder if it's going to come under the microscope um, because it does feel like the government's starting to get a little bit of pressure to do something about inflation themselves. Um, yes. But look, what I will say is it does present a lot of opportunity. If you are looking to invest today, you're going to be, if you can target those areas that are in those sort mm. of pockets where the infrastructure is being built, uh, it's going to do a great thing for any any investments that you've got in those areas. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, now I, I couldn't finish the podcast without asking this, and this was big news last week, mm. big, big news, mm. um, and it concerns you. <laughs> No, no, well, it concerns you as the victim. As the victim. victim. Oh, here we go. You've been a long-time Optus customer. Oh, I have. They had an outage, a big outage, in fact. I believe it might have been, what, six or eight hours? Um, Yeah, the whole day. But it was huge. Talk me through it and what kind of actions have you taken? Mate, so starters, no screen time that day, which was a positive. (laughs) But also... (laughs) I don't know how many deals I could have missed out on. <laughs> so <laughs> I think I'm the, as far as... lodge an insurance claim. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. I think as far as my damages claim, they could be quite significant. So, yeah, look, if I'm not mistaken, it was the day that you took off to go to New Zealand. I did, yes. And also I must say, full disclosure, I used to work for Optus and I can say with my hand on my heart that I'm very glad I didn't work there that day because there would have been lines of people filing into the shop and uh, the poor old retail staff would have copped a bath and so too I imagine the uh, the call centre. But, yeah, not not ideal. But you're with... Hey, well, the, the funniest thing was the next day, the the, the whoever, like, I don't know if the person run, there was a lady who was the spokesperson and she basically came out and said, the problem's so technical that I can't even explain it to you. In other words, you you guys just, just aren't even capable of understanding why we had an outage. Mate, that, that, that was her response mate, and I thought, sa- that sounds, surely not. That sounds to me that they got no idea how it happened. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> so technical gone. that I can't explain it. I'd hate to think how many customers they lost. Mate, the audacity, they I think offered 200 gig extra data or something on your, on your plans and I'm thinking 200 gig extra data, like I go nowhere near my data every month. That does not help me at all. So yeah. anyway, look. So who's the main beneficiary? Is it, is it Telstra or, or Vodafone? Who who, who picks oh, up that like, business? There might be a as a former as a former number one sales rep at Optus. <laughs> what uh, who, who who would you be most concerned about as a competitor, mate? I think it's going to be a CBA esque decline in market share over to Telstra. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon Telstra will will pick up the majority. A little bit more expensive, but also. You know, quite, quite a good brand and um, a lot of coverage. Vodafone still, I don't know if it's just me and my generation, but I know you're with Vodafone. They just <laughs> yeah, do, they, careful, they, careful what you say here. Yeah, I oh know. They just don't, um, I feel like you're always out of service with them. Yeah, look, they don't, they don't, they don't seem to specialise on the inner city. Um, mm. You know, if, if I'm in a 10-kilometre radius of a city, seem to struggle. Mm. Um, but, and I can be in the back of, you know, nowhere and, and somehow I got five bars. So Vodafone, you know, it d- depends where you live, I guess. If you're in the 10 ki- most people probably live in the 10 kilometre radius. <laughs> yeah, so, so like, how's that work? They've just gone, oh, we'll, we'll service regional areas and uh, anyway, a few green well, text messages uh, coming through on, from so, you. But hold on. 
<laughs> do I then take it as, as you're going to stay with Optus despite no, the no, adage? Tel- go on a Telstra. <laughs> okay. No, I'm had a gutful. <laughs> and, then, and then last one, you, you put me on an absolute ripper with yes, Top oh, Boy. This has to be. I know exactly where Top you're going. Top Boy, uh, season three, and for anyone who, who listens, Top Boy is a Netflix show. It's about like the, the drug trade in, in um, uh, Britain, in, in London, and, and, and basically who is the top boy or girl that, that runs the racket. Yes. And um, there's a few that different ones that sit at the top of the tree uh, over the, the journey of three seasons. Yeah. Ends with probably the best ending you could ever have in a season, like as in I couldn't sleep afterwards. That That's the territory that we're in. Yes. Great recommendation from you, first and foremost. Mate, it is one of the best TV series I've ever watched and I can't believe you didn't know that... There's more outside of the recent three seasons that have been released. You I need realized. to go back to the um, Summer House options yes. and start watching those. That'll be great. I realised that. So I've actually watched seasons four, five, and six, which I'm told is when Drake picked yes, it up. So Drake, the, the the artist, picked it up after they'd been three seasons, rebranded it slightly, got yep. involved in the storytelling, yep. and it's then become hugely successful, picked up by Netflix and the like, whereas it was it was – BBC offering before that. But yeah, Netflix have now been targeting me with the original prequel. Now, I've got another question in relation to this. As a former top 1% of Australians who listen to Taylor Swift, has the Top Boys series influenced your music decision and have you sort of, you know, transitioned over to a bit of UK drill or, or, or oh, rap? I've got a little bit of Jamaican rap. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's a little yeah. bit of Jamaican rap bit found of, its of, way into my Spotify. Bit, bit, of, bit of Central C getting a play on the uh, Spotify rap geez, this year? Geez, is there anything more um, confronting than someone asking to have a look at your Spotify end-of-year summary? Oh, isn't there what? Because, yeah, I'm in the, alone in the car, there's some real strange choices that get a gig. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go any further there, um, but but we might maybe we wrap up the year with if we if we're still running the pod when the Spotify 24 wrapped um, yeah. or 23 wrapped comes out. Mitch, thank you for joining. I think we've still got one or two with you before yes. the end of the year. Um, Beautiful, provided you're not on leave uh, <laughs> at any point. But uh, no, thank you for joining us. And next week we will be dropping a special guest. Uh, uh, so listen out Special for that pizza. Guest. Yeah, pizza property meets the double shot. So wow. Um, yeah, P- pizza. Uh, Did you say pizza? Pizza times property is the pizza podcast. times property. Yep. Interesting yep. to get their take on the pineapple pepperoni number. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll have to we'll have to. So mm. got them uh, next week. So keep keep an ear out for that, guys. And uh, we'll be back later this week with the quick shots. Take care. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Double Shot with your favourite cousins, Alex and James Fitzgerald. If you've got a burning question or something we absolutely need to talk about on the pod, please write to us. Both of our emails are in the show notes. For little real estate tidbits and a little bit of banter, okay, a lot of banter, you can follow us on the gram. Our handle is thedoubleshot.podcast. That, my friends, is thedoubleshot.podcast. Until next time, think of us when you sit back and sip your next double shot.